recording. Good evening. Today is Monday, December 18th, 2023, and we're studying the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. This week's chapter is How It Works, and our speaker tonight is Ingrid, Ingrid H. Thank you, Ingrid. Hi, everybody. Um, I'm Ingrid, a recovered compulsive overeater and bulimic, and I'm really glad to be here tonight and just share my story and how I um, came back um, to OA. So I'll just start with, um, yeah, just to, to qualify before I go into um, step three and how it works. Uh, so I came back to the program in March of last year after being in relapse for 10 years. Um, I, when I was in OA the first time around, I, um, I thought I worked this program. I, based on the information that I had at the time, um, but I, um, you know, self-will, dishonesty and all of that just crept back into my life. And I thought I could, I could do this, um, on my own. And I, I didn't make that sort of like declaration, like I've got it, I'm out of here. It's, it's the disease slowly started creeping in, um, to my way of thinking. And I just, I stopped doing the things that I was doing, which kind of worked, but not, but not fully. I, I don't think, I don't think that I was fully surrendered. I don't think I, um, was ever recovered. Food was always lurking. Um, and I didn't really have an understanding of this disease as it's laid out in the big book. And that has made like all the difference, um, you know, in my program. Um, my, so when I was in relapse, I had, um, I was delusional. Um, my, my life was a mess. It appeared to be together on the outside, it looked like I was put together, that I had it all together. But the truth is that I was I was suffering from depression and anxiety and um, the food. Um, I didn't think I was eating that much, but I, I had gained 80 pounds. And, um, and I started having like health consequences as a result of that. And I am just, I'm eternally grateful for like so many people um, but there was a therapist that thank God pointed me back to these rooms and told me that I was in relapse because I had no idea. I was walking around in like a stupor, just anesthetized from the food and just thought my life was in shambles and everyone else was the problem and that I wasn't the problem. And that if people in life would just play out the way that I needed it to, that I would be okay. And, um, you know, as a result of working these steps and doing what I'm told, um, I have a relationship with a higher power today um, that um, I've never had before. And I love the, the topic of this meeting of choose your own conception because I've always, for me, I have always believed in a, a higher power in God. It was the way that I was brought up, but my relationship, I thought I was, I was going to hell, that I was a bad person and that I would 
just not be able to be ever right in the eyes of God. And having worked this program today, that relationship is so different um, for me. And um, I, it's, it's just, it's, it's wonderful. It's beautiful. It's soothing. It's, I'm, I'm cared for. I'm, um, I'm corrected. <laughs> um, God brings the right people in my life, the right, the thoughts, the, all of it, like my, my life, um, you know, I've, I've made that decision, which step three tonight is to turn our will and our life over um, to the care of God as we understand him. Um, so just in this, this chapter and starting out, you know, rarely have we seen a person fail who has thoroughly followed our path. Those who do not recover are people who cannot or will not completely give themselves to this simple program, usually men and women who are constitutionally incapable of being honest with themselves. And, you know, what this tells me is that I have to completely give myself to this program, that I can recover and that the program is simple. But if I'm coming in with my own ideas of how I think this should work and how I think this should go, then right then and there, I'm not like following <laughs> the instructions um, of this program. And um, it further goes on to say that um, in that second paragraph, if you decide it, you want what we have and are willing to go to any length to get it, then you are ready to take certain steps. And I have to like, it's telling me that I have to make this decision and not only make the decision and be willing to go to any length. Uh, and then if I do that, I'm ready to take the steps. Like it's still like, okay, now you're ready to go into like what the steps are like of this program of recovery. And um, I, you know, later on it talks about the old ideas, like trying to hold on to them and the result was no until we let go, absolutely. And I have a lot of ideas and those ideas got me 80, you know, gained 80 pounds, made a mess of relationships, um, you know, being selfish and self-centered. And I, I have to let go of those old ideas. Like if I want what people have, and there are, there are so many like miracles in these rooms, like, and, and I, I remember like, just assuming like if you looked a certain way or you said a certain thing or you have it easy, you have no idea like how bad I've got it, but I'm, you know, and I would just try to create this separation. And it's like, first, I, I don't know what other people's, like what your stories are, but what I do know is that I've seen miracles in these rooms. And that if I want the miracle and I want the recovery that other people have, I have to get out of the way. Like what makes, and, and for some reason I would be convinced, like what makes me think that I know what I'm doing here. And that was part of the reason why, 
you know, and I had more pain and more, more growing to do. And I, you know, that relapse was terrible. I wouldn't wish it upon my, you know, my enemies, my worst enemy. Um, but there was a reason why God took me through that is because I needed to be shown that I don't have the answers. And, you know, my first time around in this program, I kind of listened. I kind of did what, you know, people said that they did, but I still had my, my own ideas. And I didn't recognize how food was cunning, baffling, and powerful. And without help, it is too much for me. It is too much. As simple as that may seem, food is too much. My alcoholic foods, I cannot have them. I, you know, it's the allergy of the body that triggers that obsession of the mind that is talked about in the doctor's opinion. And half measures availed us nothing. And so, you know, there was a fellow um, when I came back to this program that said that she did everything her sponsor did. And she was like living in the, in recovery and the miracles of this program. And that message stuck with me of like, I have to get out of the way. I have to do what I'm told to do. Not half measures. Half measures don't give me half. They avail me nothing. And so then it goes on to talk about the steps. You know, here are the steps that we took, which are suggested as a program of recovery. We admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives have become unmanageable. And I... It, Sometimes I think this is for me, like interpreted as, oh, well, you know, it's like a mess, like looking from the, like, you know, I'm like living under a bridge and everything's in shambles. Like, no, that's from the outside. It looked like my life was, I was managing. Okay. But I wasn't, and I'm powerless over food. And because of that, my life had become unmanageable. I, and then step two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. And to believe is to like trust in someone or something and be fully convinced, like be fully convinced. So am I fully convinced that a power greater than myself could restore me to sanity? And I was at that point, I sure as hell couldn't restore myself to sanity, you know? And so then going into step three of, it says made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understand him. And so once I'm fully convinced that this power could restore me to sanity, I have to make a decision to turn my life over. And when I think about like, well, what is care? What does that mean? It's safekeeping and protection. And do I, am I making a decision to turn my will and my life over to the care of God for safekeeping and protection? And I, you know, not perfect by any means. My, my will is like, you know, I have to be reminded daily that 
I have to be, I have to live a God-centered life and not a self, a self-centered life. And by turning my will and my life over to care of God, every time I am cared for and I am protected. And, you know, when I fall into like fear or wanting to control the outcome, it's, I'm not, I'm not trusting God. It's almost as if I haven't been convinced or brought around and I need to be like, you know, again, admit my powerlessness and then, you know, believe that a power greater than me can restore me to sanity and then make a decision to turn my, my life and my will over to the care of God. Um, and I'll just, you know, just say that these steps and how they are written, like the instructions are so specific. And it, it, you know, how it works. How does this program work? The steps going on. Step four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, to another human being, the exact nature of our wrongs. Um, I want to spend time on step three, so I'm not going to read through all of the steps, but there is a, a process and there, this, the sequence of this for me and my recovery has 100% led to the spiritual awakening as the result of working the steps. Like, and I continue to have spiritual awakenings and I, the miracles that I have in my life today would not be possible. The fact that I'm not waking up on a daily basis, depressed and anxious and chest pains and breathing, you know, all the physiological signs of that, the fact that you know, I'm not walking in a body that is 80 pounds heavier than what it was when I came into these rooms and not because I dieted. I mean, I had a healthy, you know, food plan and weighed and measured and, um, you know, um, all the stuff, right? Like putting down the alcoholic foods, like the food has to be down in order for these steps to work. Um, but it, it's, I mean, that's great, but that's just like a byproduct. It's the spiritual awakening. The fact that I can have a better, not a perfect, a better relationship with my husband, a better relationship with my employer, with my kids. I can be of service today. Um, those are like the, the, the spiritual awakening as the result of working this program. And it says, many of us exclaimed, what an order, I can't, go through with it. And it does seem like a lot. And I hear that like, oh, I don't know how I'm going to have time to, you know, get up in the morning and pray and meditate and work the steps and write. And, you know, it, it's, it is a lot, but it's worthwhile. It has been worthwhile for me. Um, you know, then it also goes on to say that you know, do not be discouraged. No one among us has been able to maintain anything like perfect adherence to these principles or to the steps. We are not saints. We claim spiritual progress rather than spiritual perfection. One of the things that I heard when I was in the rooms the first time around, around you food. You have five minutes. Ooh, five minutes. Thank you. Thanks, Amy. 
progress, not perfection. And I took that to mean like, oh, I can eat a little of this or a little of that or do this or do that or whatever I want because it's progress, not perfection, you know? And I was just like feeding the disease constantly with my alcoholic foods. And it's the spiritual progress rather than spiritual perfection. Because I, <laughs> life and recovery is not all unicorns and rainbows. It is freaking hard. Um, I need to keep moving through this. Is um, So our description of the alcoholic or compulsive overeater, the chapter to the agnostic and our personal adventures before and after make three pertinent ideas. A, that we were alcoholic and could not manage our own life. B, probably no human power could have relieved our alcoholism or compulsive overeating. And C, that God could and would if he were sought. Being convinced. So like being convinced of these three things and convinced meaning brought around, we were at step three, which is that we decided to turn our will and our life over to the care of God. And it goes, like, it keeps reminding me that I have to be convinced. It, like, if I just go into this, like, half-heartedly and I'm not fully convinced and I'm not fully turning my will and my life over to the care of God, that last paragraph, any life run on self-will can hardly be a success. And my life was hardly a success when I was running on self-will. Um for part of how I work this step with my sponsor is from page, the bottom of page 60 to 63, um, page 63, I had to read that to other fellows and the first person. So, um, and it really just kind of helped shift my thinking around my selfishness and self-centeredness. As I started to read and say, like, I am like the actor who wants to run the whole show. And it was like, who, me? Really? I am? Well, yeah. You know, and then when it talks about um, on 61 and trying to make these arrangements, our actor may sometimes be quite virtuous, maybe kind and considerate. And that's who I considered myself to be. Well, I'm a Girl Scout leader and I volunteer at my kids' school and I do this and I do all these things. And the truth is, it's like, I was like trying to control people and I wanted to control what you thought about me, what you said about me. Um, you know, it was all like self-seeking, selfish behavior. And I thought selfish and self-centeredness was like, you know, not wanting to be of service or help others. I didn't realize that it's so much of it was like my thinking and my ego and how life is like my life I made about me, 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 me. Like just this morning, my sponsor was like, you do realize it's not all about you, right? Like, it sounds like you're really into you. And see, I can't always see that. I make it about me. And 62 says selfishness, self-centeredness. That we think is the root of our troubles, driven by a hundred forms of fear, self-delusion, self-seeking, and self-pity. And that is the root of my problems. And it goes into like all the selfishness, right? But what I'm just going to wrap with this is that there are, there's promises in the third step. And that is on page 63 at the top. And it says, when we sincerely took such a position, 
So we took such a position where like we quit playing. I quit playing God. It didn't work. It never works. It hasn't. I have to quit playing God. And when I made God my director and my principal and my father, and I like turn my will over to God's safekeeping and protection, all sorts of remarkable things followed. We had a new employer being all powerful. He provided what we need if we kept close to him and performed his work well. Established on such footing, we became less and less interested in ourselves, our little plans and designs. More and more, we became interested in seeing what we can contribute to life. And that was later um, on page 63, that second to last paragraph. This was only a beginning, though if honestly and humbly made, an effect, sometimes a very great one, was felt at once. And when I work these steps as they are laid out in the big book, and I follow the instructions, and when I did step three, I didn't want to call three people and read this in the first person. I didn't want to ask people to pray for me, but I did it. I did it because why should I have an opinion on an experience I never had? And when I, that promise came true for me, it was, I, I had a reminder. Thank you, Amy. I had that, even though it was a beginning, that effect was felt for me in working these steps. So and step three, specifically, turning my life and my will over to the care of God as I understand him. So thank you so much for letting me be of service. And I will wrap. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Ingrid. That was so great. Um, we will now open the meeting for questions or for three-minute shares. As this is a big book study, sharing and questions should relate specifically to the chapter and step being studied this week. We ask you to accept this guideline in order to, to keep the meeting on track. If you'd like to share or ask a question, please raise your virtual hand, which is under reactions or star nine if you're on the phone. I will call the raised hands in order and the Zoom host will ask you to unmute when it's your turn. Would the timekeeper please set a timer for three minutes for each share and announce when time is up? If the speaker is asked a question, please allow three minutes for the answer. So here we go. Amy, will you share with us, please? Oh. Yes, I just had to set the timer. Thank you. Amy B, compulsive overeater, um, living very gratefully in a recovered state for today, one day at a time from the food. Uh, thank you, Yvonne. Thank you, Meredith. Thank you, everybody, for being here. And thank you, especially Ingrid, for your service tonight, for sharing your experience, strength, and hope around step three. Um a lot of things that you said, but in two and a half minutes, what I'm going to choose is um, reading, reading these words in, in the book to other people has been an impactful experience for me um, multiple times when I've worked the steps. Um, and the most recent time I did it, we were encouraged to really 
deeply personalize the pages. So not only in the first person, but to really change the words to use our own language. And that was impactful on another level. But I like being back, brought back to the language in the book also. And for me, my favorite, <laughs> favorite is such a strange word to use. The line that like pierces my soul in those pages is on page 61. Is he not even in his best moments, a producer of confusion rather than harmony? And the truth was, is, is, because I'm not just a human, I'm an addict who needs this program. And I do not do it perfectly. Thank you for pointing that out as well. Sometimes in my best moments with my best efforts, if I'm not seeking the spiritual experience, even my best efforts are going to produce confusion rather than harmony. That's the that's the line that came from my snow for my soul um in the book. And the line that I most appreciated rewriting or being able to personalize, let me say that, was on the bottom of uh 62 where it says he is the father and we are his children. That's not aligned with my conception of a higher power. And what I heard in other people's experience, I did not write it, but I took it, use it, love it, is God is the loving guardian that will keep my, that will heal my inner child and keep me safe. And I thought that was a real nice expression of that. And that's my time and a pass. Thank you. Thank you, Amy. Shannon F., go ahead, please. Hi, I'm Shannon, compulsive overeater, bulimic, um, recovered. And um, thank you everyone who does service at this meeting. Ingrid, how... Like you've got that recovery radiance, you know, you just have that radiance about you and you're doing it. You're doing the work and God doesn't take too, um, well, you know that line, right? God doesn't take too short of, of folks who seek him, seek God. And you are definitely seeking God. And that miracle of recovery is waking up every morning, doing prayer meditation, um, doing service, doing all that footwork. I think that is the miracle. That is the freedom that we get from the program. I, I used to just pray to God, like genie in a bottle, like, give me this, give me that. I want this. I want that. And, and just reshaping the way I talk to my higher power has really helped because I feel like God puts, puts things on my heart for a reason. And it's not because I'm being selfish, but I just feel like that's what's sometimes put on my heart. Thank you for bringing up the spiritual progress versus perfection. I used to use that as well. Like, well, I didn't do X today. I didn't eat X today. So that's progress because yesterday, blah, blah, blah. And 
it's really working towards that spiritual progress. I'm never going to be spiritually perfect, but I can still have perfection direction in my program and continue to, to try to enlarge my spiritual program. Um, and then talking about the promises, um, I just always think like the fear of economic insecurity, not that I won't ever have any economic insecurity ever again in my life, but I don't need to walk around fearful and crippling with crippling, paralyzing fear like I used to, as long as I put in the action, um, things aren't going to fall into my plate and, um, and, you know, trusting my higher powers direction for me is the most important thing I feel in my life today. Um, and then just another note that I wrote down was I'm convinced, I'm convinced that God is there if I seek God and, I need to continue to seek my higher power. Um, and just thank you, Ingrid, for, for your loving and sharing fellowship. It's been such a beautiful journey seeing you along this path. You are an inspiration. And being in recovery doesn't mean that bad things don't ever happen again. We have loss, we have bereavement, you know, job loss, all that stuff. That's still life getting lifey. But now we have this toolkit, these steps to help us guide us along the way. And thank you. That's it. Thank you. Pass. Thank you so much, Shannon. Claudine, you share with us, please. Hi, I'm Claudine, recovered in Nashville, Tennessee, um, recovered compulsive eater. You just make that clear. Um, Ingrid, thank you so much. That was a beautiful share and it was so rich with everything that you said. Um, one of the things that stood out to me was just this belief about hell and punishment and all that stuff. And, um, and it, you know, it, it served me in some way to think, well, I'm so bad, you know, I could seek him, but I'm just so bad that he'll never do that for me. So the could and would, if he were thought is, yeah, he could, but he won't because of who I am. And so that kept me in a place where it was, it turned out to be okay that I would compulsively overeat because I'm just so bad. And that was just another lie. And then when you were talking about perfection and, um, you know, progress versus perfection and how you can trick yourself or lie to yourself and say, well, I've had some progress. It doesn't, but you know, I don't have, there's no finish line. So it's okay. I would do the same thing with willingness. My sponsor would say, have you prayed for the willingness? And I legit would go, I've not heard a thing. I prayed for the willingness. Nothing has happened. I don't, I don't know what's going on because I'm still unwilling. Well, there was absolutely no action. And then you know, just also on the theme of could and would if he were sought, when I got abstinent, finally, um, all I did was lean in just a little bit. I didn't even, I didn't even have to say, I know this is right. I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it and be excited and all that stuff. And then it was just this watershed. It was like, he rushed to me and picked me up and said, here we go. This is it. It's happening. And it did. And so living in his will versus not living in his will is not punitive. And that's how I grew up. If you follow God's will, 
it's not going to be good. You'll end up being a missionary's wife somewhere, never to be seen again. I mean, that's all I could think. So I just really loved her share and I appreciate it. And um, I love how God has used everything in your story to help those around you. So thank you. I'll pass. Thank you, Claudine. I'm going to, oh, good. Yvonne, go ahead and share with us. Hi, everybody. I'm Yvonne A., a compulsive reader from BC, Canada. Um, and yeah, there was, thank you, Ingrid. There was so many um, just really great points there. Um, but the one that I wanted to speak about tonight was about having an opinion about an experience I've never had. And that's the second time in a couple of days that I've heard it. And it's not something that I hear on a regular basis. And it just so reminded me of my step three experience where um, at the end of, you know, reading the pages in the in the uh, per personalized version and, and stuff, uh, my sponsor said, OK, we're now we're going to get down on your knees. I'm going to get down on your knees with you and we'll say the third step prayer. And that was like hard stop. Hell no no way am I doing that. Um, and <laughs> she was quite funny because she said, oh, yes, you are. Um, it might not be today, but we are going to do that. Um, and she was right. She did it. But that visceral reaction to being asked to do that and having that strong an opinion about something I had never done in my life is quite intriguing to me when I look back on that, because when I was able to set aside everything I thought I knew um, and was willing to just do what my sponsor said, the most beautiful thing happened. And it was nothing like I imagined it was going to be. Um, and, and so, yeah, that just rings so true. When we turn our will and our lives over to the care of a higher power, it really does mean not having an opinion about experiences we haven't had, about having an open mind and a willingness to explore what those experiences could bring to our recovery if we let them happen. Um, and so, yeah, that just really touched my heart tonight. And so um, thank you so much. I really appreciate everything you shared with us tonight. And I pass. Thank you, Yvonne. I think it. Um, I think it's time to turn the recording off, if you don't mind. And we'll have the last ten minutes for unrecorded shares.